Well, it is great to be in central Illinois. This is where I was raised, actually down by Springfield. I was raised in Rochester, and my wife was raised in Chatham. And uh, we're kind of, we were neighbors, went to the same church together. But uh, we used to get together, and we had another a third guy named Justin. They called us the Three Amigos, and uh, we used to have a lot of fun together. But um, it's good to be back. I, uh, I am just expecting, you know, great things. I'm expecting to God, God to do a work, uh, not only tonight, but for it to continue tomorrow. Um, we're going to get super practical, I'll say it that way. But we're also going to be reminded of spiritual principles. I like to give teams practical things, but I also like to bring it back to the spiritual principles that if we will apply these things, um, we're going to begin to see fruitfulness. And so um, if you don't know much about me, I, uh, I started leading worship at Pawnee Assembly of God in 1996. So that goes back a little ways. And A.B. Bennett, who's the pastor there now, was the associate pastor, and I was the worship leader. Um, and I led there for six years. And then um, I finished college, and I felt like God was calling me out to California. I left everything I knew. I didn't know anybody out there, nobody. I'd never even been there. But um, through a series of circumstances, God called me there, and uh, there were some things that, that kind of fell into place, and I knew I was supposed to take that leap of faith, and so I left everything I knew, went out to California. Uh, I've been out there for about 18 years now, going on 19, so I'm kind of dating myself. I'm getting old. Uh, I feel like I'm getting old. Um, I'm trying to stay young, but that doesn't work so well, uh, but We've been out there for 18 years. Um, my wife, uh, she moved out there after I did, but um, our first church was uh, a ministry by Fresno. Fresno is right in the middle of California, so right in the center, kind of like Springfield. It's like right in the center. Um, and then uh, we, we ultimately ended up at a church in Modesto, a large church there, um, did worship ministry, also uh, ran a school of worship. And God really um, spoke to us, actually on more than one occasion, about some specific things that he was calling us to do. Uh, one of those things is resourcing the local church for worship, and the other thing is raising up a generation of worship leaders. And so what we're doing now, you know, we're traveling with this ministry. We're in a different church about every week out there. Um, when I go back this next week, the next four weekends, I'm all over Northern California, just in different churches and just doing this kind of ministry. Um, I'm aligned with SUM Bible College, which is a ministry school based in Northern California. And uh, we have students studying on campus there, worship students. And so I will take those students out with me We'll go in and lead worship in, in these places. We'll work with worship teams. And really, we've seen some pretty uh, incredible things. We've seen God do some incredible things uh, just as we've stepped out in faith. And, you know, it started, it goes back to it started when 
I heard the voice of the Lord. I heard God say, you need to take this leap of faith and you need to move to California. You don't know anybody there, but I'm going to make a way. I'm going to provide for you. And that's exactly what he did. But that set something in motion um, and it positioned me, postured me in a place of faith to where uh, now I can say yes when God says, uh, I, I need you. I need you to go here. I need you to do this. I simply say, yes, Lord, whatever you want to do. And we've said yes. And since we've said yes, God's opened a lot of great doors. Uh, amazing things are happening. Um, I'm believing that this weekend is going to be awesome like it's been uh, the last several weekends. I mean, we've, we've gone into places where they just haven't, ex- they've not experienced a move of God for 50 years, and God just sweeps into the room, and he just begins to move across the seats, and, you know, we, we make a call to come to the front, and everyone comes to the front. I'm just like, wow, I've never seen that. Every single person came to the altar, and God just begins to, to move in hearts, young, old, you know, all kinds of people from all walks of life, and I feel like that's what I live for. That's why I'm alive. I'm alive to see people get back to the heart of worship, what we sang tonight. We need to see the heart of worship in the house of God, right? You believe that? We need more of the heart of worship in the house of God. Sometimes we have a lot of other things in the house of God, but we need the heart of worship in the house of God. And so there's a lot of other things I could say. Our ministry is called People of His Presence. This is actually based on um, some teachings that my former pastor at Pawnee, Pat Roosh, that goes back a few years, uh, he developed some teachings. Uh, I worked with him. We kind of took that and developed some curriculum and then did some other things with it. Ultimately, um, I've put it in a book format, which I don't have unpacked, but we'll have that tomorrow. So if you're interested in getting this book, it's just $10, and it goes toward the ministry. It goes toward what we're trying to do, going in and resourcing churches. And I have found that when you put simple truths in the hands of just everyday people, it changes things. Uh, it's, it's almost like giving them a key to unlock something in front of them. And until they got that key, they weren't really sure how to maneuver, how to navigate this whole thing we call corporate worship. But if I can give you some keys that will help you discover your role and your responsibility as a worshiper, it'll change you. It'll change everything. And so that's what we're about. That's what we're doing. Um, I want to give you guys just a little bit tonight. Um, This really just directed, it's directed to leaders. It's directed to um, people in worship leadership. You know, that's one thing I'll say. Like this is... Uh, worship leadership. It's called worship leading for a reason. Now, I know that we've turned that around a lot of times. You hear people say lead worshiper, but that word is still in there. Lead, leader, you know. We're leaders um, by virtue of your position, whether you wanted it or not, whether you wanted to be called a leader or not. You are a leader by virtue of, you know, your role in this thing we call corporate worship. When you come up to this platform, you take on the role of a leader. Now, you may not feel that way. You may feel like you're the person way over there in the back corner that you hope nobody sees. 
when you're leading worship. But you know what? You're a leader. You're still a leader. And God has equipped you to lead. He's equipped you to lead, whether you know it or not. If he's called you, he's equipped you. If he's called you to this ministry, he's equipped you to be a leader. So I want to talk about one aspect, really important aspect of leadership tonight, um, something called integrity. Integrity. What's integrity? Well, I talk a lot about this in my book in Chapter 7. I talk about having integrity in general, but having integrity in our worship. And it's something that every leader needs to pay attention to. Are we integral? Okay. Um, what's the definition of integrity? I looked it up. It said it's a firm adherence to a code of moral values, the quality or state of being complete and undivided. Okay. You remember math class. You worked with integers. The word integrity and integer are kind of the same. Okay. They're rooted in the same word. Integer, what does that mean? An integer is a whole number. You can have a positive integer or a negative integer, but integers are whole numbers. They're not fractions. They're whole numbers. Okay. So, when we're talking about integrity, we're talking about being whole, not being divided, not having just a part of what you need. No. Walking in integrity is walking in the whole, the fullness, fullness of what God would have you do. Um, in the Christian life, it has to do with our heart being pure, being undivided, okay? Whole, undivided. Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, okay? So our hearts can't be divided. Our hearts can't, we can't continue to nurture impurities in our hearts if we're going to walk in integrity of heart, okay? So integrity of heart. The next thing, I talk about this in chapter 7 of the book, integrity of mind. So integrity of heart, pure and undivided heart. Integrity of mind, what is that? It has to do with thinking in my mind what I'm saying with my lips. Now, has anyone been in a conversation with somebody and you're just pouring your heart out and you're sharing and you just get the impression they're not hearing a thing you're saying, they're just preparing to, to say whatever they want to say to you. They're preoccupied, right? And so when we come into a time of worship, what often happens, and, and I realize the dynamic gets tricky because we have people coming into the experience from all kinds of places, all kinds of contexts. But, you know, we can be right in the middle of a deep worship time, and one person can be fully engaged, fully immersed. I'm thinking in my mind what I'm saying with my lips, and the person right next to them can be looking at their watch, just wondering when we're going to get through this because we got to go to lunch or the hundred other things we have to go do, right? Um, so, and I, I don't want to paint a picture like this is not pretty much all of us because all of us do this, okay? So I'm not going to single anyone out and, and say, well, I have perfect integrity of mind. No, I don't. I have to take captive thoughts 
And didn't Paul talk about that? We have to take captive those thoughts that take us away from where we need to be. And that's the case in worship. Um, if I'm not walking in integrity of mind, it might be because I've allowed my thought life to kind of spin out of control over here, and I've not come into the discipline of taking captive those things that are distracting me and that are hindering me from really thinking in my mind what I'm saying with my lips. Isaiah 29, verse 13, the Lord said to the prophet Isaiah, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. And Jesus actually quoted that same thing in Matthew 15. We have to think in our minds what we're saying with our lips and if we find ourselves slipping over into an unhealthy thought life, even right in the middle of worship, it's okay to say, Lord, help. <laughs> Lord, I'm distracted. Lord, I, I, I just take captive these thoughts right now, and I, I submit them to you, and I'm going to choose to walk in integrity of mind. Okay. Integrity of heart, integrity of mind. Third thing is integrity of speech. This one's close to integrity of mind, but it has to do with meaning and doing what we say we're going to do. Um, James, James 5, verse 12, he said, Above all, brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or earth or anything else. Simply let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Okay, he was actually echoing uh, the words of Jesus in Matthew 5. Um, Jesus was actually talking about taking oaths, and he's not really talking about formal oaths, you know, that you take like in a court of law. He's talking more about these, these oaths or these promises. Let's replace the word oath with promise. These promises that we make to people, and then we don't follow through, and we don't fulfill our commitment. He said, no, you can't do that. A Christian has to let his yes be yes and his no be no. He should be honest in all his speech. So when he acknowledges something and when he says he or she says they're going to do something, we don't have to question that it's going to be done, right? I'm talking to leaders in the room. Um, we're held to a higher standard. Now, in the past... Um, a person's word was really, it was like as good as gold, okay? Like, and I could just shake your hand on something, and that was my promise that I was going to fulfill what I had said I was going to fulfill, okay? But um, these days, what's happened? There's been a deterioration of integrity in our culture, so culturally, we've almost gotten used to and accustomed to people breaking their promises. So what do we do? We, we draw up these contracts, and it's like, look, you've got to sign your life away here because I don't trust you. I don't think you're going to follow through with what you said you were going to do. And so we've resorted to those things. Now, I'm not saying we can't ever get into a contract with somebody, but I am saying that for the Christian, our yes ought to be yes. And our no ought to be no, okay? Um, see, it's, it's bad enough when society allows integrity to diminish, 
But it's really bad when Christians, when all of us, um, allow our word to not mean much. Yeah? So um, what does this have to do with worship? Well, (laughs) when we are saying we're going to do things in worship, we ought to do them. Or we ought not say it. Okay? Now, I know that you're like, wow, that's, yeah, that's strong. Yeah. But, but see, I, I think sometimes, think about unbelievers. When unbelievers are observing what the church is doing, and they walk into a room, and we're talking about, you know, um, I'm going to give God my everything, and I'm just, I'm going to lift my hands in your presence, God, and I'm just going to bow down on my face before you, Lord, and nobody does that. They just stand there. I think that looks weird to an unbeliever. I think an unbeliever would say, wow, they don't really do what they said they're going to do. So that, that raises two, two points. The first point is, if we're not at that place where we're willing to posture ourselves in a way that's consistent with what we're saying and that we're going to do, then we might not we might just avoid using that song, okay? Um, But if we're going to call the people to it, then we need to call them to it. We don't need to say, hey, yeah, I know we're singing this thing and we're saying this, but you can just do whatever you want because that aligns more with what we see in our culture. You can just do whatever you want. No, God's called us to be people of integrity. He's called us to do what we say we're going to do. And this has to do with, you know, making promises to people before we've carefully considered whether we're going to fulfill them, right? Uh, we've all done that. I mean, okay, the joke in my house, Jill, you can test to this, is that um, I'll text her. I'm at work. I'm finishing something up, and I'll text her. I'll be home at 530. And what time will I get home, Jill? Yes, 20 minutes. Um, now, I'm not proud of that, you guys. I'm not. I'm just I'm letting you know that I'm human, though, and I'm letting you know that I deal with these things, too. So if I say I'm going to be home at 530, but every time I walk in the door at 550, I need to work on that, right? Uh, I, I need to work on that. I need to consider that maybe I need to take steps to improve in that area. So that my yes can really be yes, right? Um, I think we all can do that, okay? We all are kind of in that place. And it's not just that, you know, think about the things in your life. And it's like, okay, I'm not sure that's super consistent. All right, fine. You know, the first step to making it better is just admitting that it's not consistent. That's the first step. We don't have to pretend like we have it all together, Can anyone say amen to that? We don't have to pretend like we have it all together. You're people. I'm a person. We're human, and we're not going to be perfect. But what we're called to is, again, a posture of integrity. That means I'm posturing myself on a regular basis to make sure that I have integrity in my heart, in my mind, in my speech. And where I fall short His grace is sufficient, but I just need to admit that I didn't didn't hit 
the mark there, right? So, okay, I want to give you an example in Scripture because it's one of these things. I mean, I, I said a few Scripture verses, but I'm going to unpack a few Scriptures, okay, where we see this unfolding. But before we do that, kind of a, a difference um, or kind of to sum up this idea of integrity. So my pastor, Glenn Berteau in Modesto, um, he told this story of there was a revival that a mutual friend, so it was a friend of his and it's a friend of mine, this person was ministering up in the Northwest, Pacific Northwest, he's an evangelist, he goes all over the place, okay, so he's doing ministry and um, it's not, you know, ministry's not going to be till a lot later, I think, that evening, he's already done a few meetings, it's one of those, it's like several nights worth of ministry and he's sitting in the hotel, and he just decides, hey, I, I just want to go downtown and go shopping. But nobody's available to take him, so he just goes right down outside the hotel, and lo and behold, there's a bus stop there. Now, this was a long time ago, okay? So I don't know how bus rides, I don't know how that experience is these days. But back then, you know, if you wanted to go somewhere, you could just hop on the bus, the city bus, and tell him where you wanted to go, okay? So he gets on the bus. And uh, I think it was like a dollar to ride the bus, okay, wherever he needed to go. And he gave the bus driver a $5 bill. And the driver gave him $9 back in change. So he thought he gave him a $10 bill instead of a $5 bill or maybe two $5 bills or something. I don't know. Um, So some of us, you know, if we got money back like that, we'd say, wow, God's really blessing me. Look, you know. I wasn't expecting that. No. But what did he do? Uh, The evangelist, before he got off the bus, he was still trying to figure it out, you know, but he approached the driver and he said, sir, you gave me, uh, I gave you $5 and I was supposed to get $4 back in change, but you gave me uh, $9 back instead. And the bus driver said, yeah, I know. I was at your meeting last night, and I just wanted to see if you really practice what you preach. I, want to see, I wanted to see if you practice what you preach. See, we never know who's watching. We never know who's watching. And we're leaders. We have to set an example. Set an example for the believers in life, in practice, right? Okay, let's talk about the difference between integrity, which we've been talking about, and anointing. Integrity versus anointing. And this really, really um, ties into what we do in worship ministry. Integrity is what? Wholeness. Whole. W-H-O-L-E. Wholeness, soundness, completeness of character, right? Integrity is one of the most important things we will ever possess, and we have to hold on to it with all our might. Don't let go of your integrity. Anointing, on the other hand, is nice, but it comes and goes as the Lord determines. You may minister under an anointing, and people can even be amazed. Wow, he or she is so anointed. Man, did you, did you experience that worship? That worship leader so anointed. And that's where we put all our stock. Listen to me. 
Even in our worship culture, we put all this stock in. Wow, he's super anointed. She's the most anointed worship leader I've ever heard. But we don't consider integrity, okay? Um, you might be ministering under an anointing. People are amazed. You might even be amazed at how God's flowing through you. But when the, the ministry is over, the anointing dissipates. And what remains is your integrity or lack thereof, okay? I want to provide some examples from Scripture, the difference between integrity and anointing because we like to focus on anointing, but we often don't focus enough on integrity, and you have to have both, okay? I want to talk about uh, two people in Scripture, Joseph and Samson, Joseph and Samson. Let's talk about Joseph first. Joseph, if you remember, and there's a whole lot to that story in Genesis, but he was elevated to a place of authority within the kingdom. Um, he ended up in Potiphar's house, Pharaoh, and Potiphar's wife began to look at him lustfully. <laughs> and she said, hey, Joseph, come sleep with me. But it wasn't just like that. She kept bugging him. She kept pestering him, and he kept refusing, but she didn't give in. And finally, she actually says she grabbed his cloak and demanded that he sleep with her, but Joseph tore himself away and left his cloak in her hands as he ran from the house, okay? Uh, she got his cloak, but she couldn't get his character, let me say that again. She got his cloak, but she couldn't get his character. See, the household had prospered because Joseph had an anointing. Listen, the household had prospered because Joseph had an anointing on his life, and the blessing and favor of the Lord was upon him. And where he went and what he did was, did was blessed of the Lord. But his integrity is what saved his life. His integrity is what saved his ministry, okay? Now, let's talk about Samson. Samson, you remember, there's a lot to that story too. He had an anointing from God to minister, but he went down to the Philistine town of Gaza to sleep with prostitutes. And who did he meet down there? A woman named Delilah. And what did Delilah do? She seduced him. She deceived him. And ultimately, um, she tricked him, and they cut his hair. Remember, his hair was where he got his strength, his anointing from the Lord. They cut his hair, and then he lost all of his strength. And, you know, he got the most expensive haircut in the world because that was it, right? You know the rest of the story, like... Um, God still used him in the end. He was in the, the temple, and he pulled the pillars down upon all the Philistines. And, you know, God still, God still was glorified. But it's tragic that there was not integrity. And lack of integrity led to that pitfall that he found himself in, you know, with Delilah. So here, here's, here's the deal. Um, we who minister in leadership, and really it doesn't matter what leadership, but when we step up here to this platform, um, there's a standard, there's a standard 
God is calling us to a high standard. Um, he's not calling us to perfection, but he's calling us to align ourselves with him in a place of integrity. Uh, and if we don't do it, at some point it will catch up with us. And how many of us have seen the situations where the pastor falls or the worship leader falls or there's a big split in the church because there's a big argument that stems from some kind of lack of integrity, right? Um, okay, I want to talk about one more account in Scripture, the account of Moses and Aaron. So we're in Exodus now, Moses and Aaron. And in Exodus 24, the Lord calls Moses up to, the Mount, up to Mount Sinai. And then in chapters 25 through 31, you can look at this on your own, but chapters 25 to 31 of Exodus, he's, God's unpacking all these instructions for how we're supposed to worship Yahweh, right? How we're supposed to worship the, Jehovah. Um, and then in Exodus 32, verse 1, it talks about how the people that were down, that Moses left when he went up to the mountain, the people that were still down in the valley, um, they were growing impatient because Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, so they approached Aaron, second in command, okay? Moses had trusted Aaron to make sure everyone was doing okay while he was up on the mountain. They approach Aaron and they say, hey, come make a God who, who will go before us. And so we know what happened, I think. If you've seen the movie The Ten Commandments or you've read this passage of Scripture, listen, Associate Pastor Aaron, yeah, Associate Pastor Aaron, who had been with Senior Pastor Moses and knew what he was supposed to do. He had seen all the miracles of God. He told the people to take gold rings that their wives, their sons, their daughters were wearing and bring them all to him. And then when they brought them to him, he melted down the gold and he cast this idol in the shape of a calf. And he said, here, these are your gods. Israel, here's your God. Here's the one who brought you up out of Egypt. He said that. You can look at it. This is the one who brought you up out of Egypt. Uh, now, that's, that's pretty ridiculous. That's not true. We know that. But, but here's the thing. Um, this is all happening down here. And the Lord speaks to Moses and says, you better go down. You better go down the mountain because the people have lost it. They've become corrupt. And I'm really angry. My anger is burning against these people. So Moses went down the mountain. And when he got down there and saw what they were doing, he was mad. And he took those tablets of stone. You remember, he threw them down on the ground. And um, he confronted Aaron and he said, what are you doing? What on earth are you doing? And so, you know, there was this confrontation. Moses burnt the calf in the fire. He ground it up into powder. He scattered the powder on water, and he made all the people drink it. Okay? Um, but here's what I want to point out. Like, associate pastor Aaron, or maybe we could say worship leader Aaron, I don't know, you know, he had the chance to repent. He had the chance to admit that, that what he did was wrong, but you don't see it in Scripture. You don't see it right there. He never repented. He never repented. 
And in verses 22 to 24 of Exodus 32, he actually just talked to Moses about how, oh, yeah, these people, they're just, they're so prone to evil. They're just, I, I can't, I can't let them do anything. So he's not taking any responsibility for the whole situation. He's just saying, yeah, it's those people. Those people are all out of control, you know. And uh, at, at some point, you know, it, it really, it came down to, we see all of this time go by. Moses, or Aaron really never repented. And then we see chapter after chapter after chapter of Aaron just doing what he always did. He just continued right on serving as the priest, you know, and fulfilling his responsibilities. But he never take, took responsibility for that act of sin, that lack of integrity. Okay, and so here's what I want to say. God cannot be mocked. We will reap what we sow, and there is no substitute for repentance. There is no substitute. No substitute for repentance. So God had not forgotten about Aaron's lack of repentance, even though all these chapters go by and Aaron's still performing his priestly duties. And then we come all the way to Leviticus 10. Okay, so we were in Exodus. Go all the way through Exodus, all the way to Leviticus 10. And what do we find? Well, associate pastor Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, were burning incense in their censers that was considered strange fire, strange fire to the Lord. And it said, the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, consumed them. And they died right there on the spot. And Moses turned to Aaron and said, Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. Different translation says, among those who approach me, I will be holy in the sight of all the people, I will be honored. I will be honored. And Aaron has a flashback. See, Aaron has a flashback to a golden calf that he had fashioned for the people to worship while Moses was on the mountain. And the scripture says that Aaron remained silent. He remained silent. What is the worst thing that can happen to us if we lose our integrity? I want you to think about this. What's the worst thing? Um, it can destroy your life. It can destroy your ministry. It can put you in a position where, you know, God can't fulfill what he wanted to fulfill in you and through you. But worse, it can affect the next generation. It can have a detrimental impact on our kids and on their kids, right? So anointing, anointing is for ministry, but integrity is for life. This is what I want to say. Anointing's for ministry, but integrity is for life. And we live in a culture, and we're inundated, even in the worship culture, with all kinds of famous worship leaders. Oh, he's so good. She's so, they're so anointed. Okay, that's fine. But under the surface is their integrity. 
And see, I can't do anything about your integrity, but I can make sure that I have it. I can make sure I'm walking in integrity. See, talent, my pastor used to say this, talent may get you to the platform, but character is what keeps you there. Talent may get you to the platform, but character is what keeps you there. The anointing moves upon an individual to accomplish great things for God. But when he or she walks off that ministry platform, that thing lifts, that anointing lifts, and now God says, can you walk in integrity? Can you walk in integrity? We need a purpose to be people of integrity. Amen. Amen. I want to pray, and um, I just, I think, I'm looking at the time. Um, I want to be sensitive to it, but we have a few minutes here. And so I'm going to go to the keyboard, but I would like to um, just have a little bit of worship, just a little time of worship. And I would invite you just to the front. Let's just kind of come to this area here. And uh, what I felt the Spirit of the Lord kind of speaking to me uh, before I came about Friday night was before we're going to make an impact out here, we have to make sure we're good right here, right here. Um, I teach students all the time, and we, we do worship leading classes. And, you know, the first time, uh, the first part of any of that class is about looking at myself. I, I need to evaluate where I am so that I can be where I need to be so then I can minister effectively to people out here. See, if I don't handle this correctly, then how am I going to minister effectively to these people out here, okay? So that's really the posture that I want to come. Why don't we come forward, and I'm going to go back to the keyboard, and we'll kind of make this transition. Thank you, Jesus. Anointing is for ministry, but integrity is for life. I want you to consider those words just for a moment. Anointing is for ministry, but integrity is for life. And whatever he's called us to for his kingdom requires integrity. So I do want to have a little bit of, of worship here this is going to be simple, and you may not even know these songs. I don't know. You might, but regardless of whether you know words, um, this is a posture thing in this moment, and we're going to posture ourselves before the Lord, and we're going to say, God, I just, I want to be a person of integrity. In fact, let's say that together. God, I want to be a person of integrity. Say that. I want to be a person that follows you with my whole heart. I don't want anything to stand in the way. Yes, God. Give us your heart. Give us your mind. Let our yes be yes. We want to do what we say we'll do. We want to be who we say we'll be. Yeah. 
put our hope in you, put our confidence in you. Yeah, yeah. Be a refining fire, a refining fire in me. doesn't belong everything that doesn't belong I give it to you God even the most holy person in this room God their righteousness is as a filthy rag to you God our righteousness is as filthy rags we cannot do it without the blood of Jesus we cannot do it without the work of your spirit and so right now God we open up to you we open our hearts to you and we say God come and do what you want to do make us a people a people of integrity not just a people who carry an anointing but God a people once that anointing dissipates God we're going to let your integrity come forth we're going to be people, God, who choose to follow after you, who choose to walk in your spirit, who choose to put to death the deeds of the flesh so that you can be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, you're a fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed. I want to be tried by fire purified you take whatever you desire Lord here's my life I want to be tried by fire purified purified you take whatever you desire Lord here's my life Lord here's my life I want to be tried Take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. I want to be tried by fire. Purified. You take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. Clean my hands. Clean my hands. Purified. I 
be consumed You're a fire, the refiner I want to be consumed Sing it again You're a fire, the refiner I want to be consumed I want to be tried by fire Purified You take whatever you Lord, here's my life. I want to be tried by fire. Tell it. Purified. You take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. want to build my life on you. firm foundation in you
that's our commitment tonight. We're not going to be shaken. We're not going to look to the left or to the right. We're not going to waver in this calling. God, we're going to be steadfast in our pursuit of you and your very best. We're not going to let the enemy derail us. We're not going to let the enemy take us off course. God, we're going to put our trust in you and you alone. You and you alone. You and you alone. Hey, sing it one more time. we have together can you just put your hands out in front of you like this just in a place to receive just in a place to receive from the Lord God we need you we need you and we desire you we desire your presence in our lives we desire your purposes to be fulfilled and so I pray right now, Spirit of the Lord, that you would come and that you would pour out, that you would pour out a fresh anointing, but also, God, a fresh resolve to be people of integrity. I thank you for your anointing, God, that's going to carry us in ministry. And, God, that your signs and wonders are going to flow, God, as we step out in faith. But I also thank you tonight, God, that you're baptizing us anew and afresh with integrity, that we're going to be a people who do what we say we're going to do. We're going to be a people who follow through on our word. We're going to be a people who resist the temptation of the enemy, and we choose to, to pursue you, Lord. We choose to follow hard after you. Like a deer that longs for water, God, we're going to long for your presence. We're going to long for your abiding presence. Teach us to be people of integrity. God, make us holy as you're holy. Make us holy as you're holy. Make us holy as you're holy. Tell that to him tonight. Say, Lord, make me holy as you're holy. Make me holy as you're holy. Hey. Cause holy, there is no one like. Right. There is none beside you. So open up my eyes in wonder. Show.
That's our prayer tonight, that you would burn like a fire, that you would radiate, God, from our lives, not only because you've anointed us, you've called us and you've anointed us, God, but you've equipped us to be a people of integrity, to be a people who are going to walk with you, who are going to talk with you, who are going to fellowship with you, who are going to allow you to do the work in us that you want to do, and that's our commitment tonight. I thank you, Lord, for meeting us here. I thank you for your presence and your power in this room. God, we pray that you continue to speak to us even as we leave this place tonight, even as we come tomorrow, even as we're together over these next few days. God, that you would establish your purposes among us and let the ministry be equipped to go forth in the power and the strength and the glory of the Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.